All right, hey, good morning, everyone. So good to see you guys this morning. Welcome to New Life Church. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for your life, thankful for this family, thankful for this body of believers, and thankful for the Lord who reigns in this church and who is, a, who is the most central part of our life. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles. It's going to be hard to find. It's Genesis. Uh, it's the first chapter, first book of the Bible. Uh, we're actually going to be in Genesis 37, is where we'll start. We're going to read several verses in a couple of chapters here today as we kick off a new series called Together. Uh, Together series. This series is really all about growing in our understanding and being refreshed in our hearts that church is not about a building that we all come to on Sundays, but church is about a community that we are to engage. Anybody agree with that? If, if you don't, then let, let today's message shift your thinking and understanding that if you have grown up or come up or thought up that church was all about going to a place, uh, you've missed it your whole life uh, because it's more than that. It is so much more than a place we go to. It's about an engagement of community that we are a part of. That's why Jesus likens it with Paul's understanding as the body of Christ. And he spends a whole lot of time in the New Testament expressing that, talking about that. Uh, I've done quite a few uh, sermons on that whole topic, but uh, that's what this series is about, is as we're going to look into some things, uh, growing together as a family as we engage this holiday season uh, coming up on Thanksgiving, uh, and then and then shortly thereafter Christmas. Uh, and, and, and as much as I like both of those, I don't like rushing through either one of those. I like the slow approach to both, to appreciate all you can get out of each one of those. Other people are different. Our, our society is certainly different. Uh, they started pushing Christmas back uh, right at the day after Halloween ended, and or maybe right before. Uh, and then next week they're going to be pushing Easter, uh, and then, then the week after that, it'll be summer stuff. Swimsuits will be on sale come uh, December 1st. So it's crazy how, how things work. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, that, that's an aside topic. But this whole thing today is about together. And I'm so glad you, you, you are here. I'm so glad many of you made the effort because I know there have been a lot of folks who have been ill, who have been uh, touched by viruses and, and sickness. And, um, and, and so our household was one of those. And it's, it's good to be actually on my feet today and uh, able to bring today's message to you. Um, I was recently attended, uh, Haley and I did with a few of other of our staff leaders at a leadership conference a week or so ago, and one of the things that they, that they shared with us uh, in a statistic regarding church attendance in, across America is that the average church attendance is, is 30% of membership attends regularly. 30% of a church's membership attends church regularly, and most attend church 19 Sundays out of 52. Imagine if you went to work only 19 out of... You probably wouldn't get paid that much, would you? Or probably have, wouldn't have a job, right? Yeah, it, it, and, and it, it, this is not picking on any one church. This is a broad spectrum looking across the landscape of the church in, in the United States. And, and, and so... Um, it's been a real conviction of my heart lately to, to, uh, to just be in a place to, cre uh, to create an opportunity for our church 
uh, that, that I don't want our church to fall into the norm. I don't want our church to, to, get, to get okay with just being 30% attenders or 19, out of, 19 Sundays out of 52 attenders. Because it's not about attendance that, that ranks your spiritual status. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. But it goes back to the understanding of what the understanding of being the church is all about. And, 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 and we are called to engage one another. Uh, we are called to corporately worship together. We are called to link arms and serve together. We are called to give our resources together. We are called to make sacrifices together. We are called to disciple one another together. There are so many together things in the New Testament that teach and talk about this, that that is the norm. And that togetherness can't happen if the church isn't together you caught on i think i should leave i'm done let's read our opening text today we're going to be looking at uh part of the life of joseph uh, genesis 37 and you can also follow along on the screen with these verses again we're going to look through a few here so we're going to scan these quick it says 37 verse 2 this is the account of jacob and his family when Joseph, Jacob's son, was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. What's the names there? But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. It'd probably make me mad too. His brothers responded, so you, you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Skip over to chapter 45. Verse 5. Um, excuse me, verse 1. Joseph, this is years later, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and the word of it carried quickly to Pharaoh's palace. Verse 3, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing there in front of them. And please, come closer, he said. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. In verse 5, but... Don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. And then the last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50. Verse 19 says, Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me 
but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Let's say a word of prayer over this today. God, we thank you. Your word is so much more than printed sentences on a page in a book. It's life. Your word is life. Today, I pray you would breathe new life into it, into our lives today as we partake of it. Let it be recharging and refreshing. Let it do what it needs to do in us so that we can be who you've called us to be. We can live this life the way you called us to live it. I ask you, Lord, to help my heart and the, the meditations of it and the words of my mouth be honorable to you and this message be helpful to your people so that we can all grow stronger together in what you have for our lives and as a church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got a picture I want to show you. I really do, I promise. I think I was about seven, maybe a little less, maybe six, five, somewhere in that nature. It had to be seven because Mickey Mouse is on my shirt, and I think Disney World opened around 82. long time ago I had no idea at that time what my life was going to be like just like many all of us when we're young no clue didn't know of the trials the afflictions the difficulties uh, that I would have to go through I was not unaware of all the blessings and the the ups that God would bring into my life uh, to bring me to where I am today But here's the thing I know, looking back, I know that through every trial, through every setback, through every turmoil, through every affliction, through every pain-filled moment, through every difficult season, through through, through every chaotic time of my life, this I know, God was there. I also know this through every blessing, through every gift, through every good thing that was ever given to my life, up until now, I know this, God was there. How many things I can explain? A whole lot. How much would I like to be able to explain? All of it. But this I know, God is providential, God is sovereign, God is on the throne, and God is in control, and no matter what happens, God has a perfect plan. And he has a purpose for every single one of our lives. You know, God does not ordain purpose without process. He does not waste his time on his purpose to his children without his children going through process. Through every trial, through every obstacle, through every difficulty, through, through every navigation, through every, every turmoil of life we may go through, there's, there's, there's a process. And just like every good thing, every blessing, every up and every gift that God gives us, there's also a process in all of it. God uses those things. God uses the process that we all go through to better equip us to be in a stronger spiritual position and to be there, not just for ourselves, but to be there for other people. That your trial, you go through it, God wants to use it to build you up and make you stronger 
so that you can actually be there for other people. Here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to use every, every trial, every affliction, and blessings against our life so that he can stop you. He undeniably wants to stop you in your tracks, paralyze you with fear, and prevent you from moving forward in what the Lord has created you for on this earth. And if we're not careful, we will fall prey to what the enemy wants, and we will give up on what God wants. And that is where Joseph's life comes into play. That God has ordained a purpose for every one of our lives as individuals and collectively as a church, as part of the body of Christ. I want to concentrate on one verse as we move forward today. That is chapter 45, verse 5, where Joseph said, he said this about 13 years or 15 years later after he originally had his dream that God gave him. He said this to his brothers. He said, don't be angry with yourself or upset. He said, for, for selling me to this place. He says this, it was God who sent me here. It was God who sent me here. It was God who sent me here ahead of you. Today, to start this series off, I've titled today's message, We Are Stronger If We'll Hang In There Longer. We are stronger if we'll hang in there longer. So Joseph said to his brothers, many years after the dream that God gave him, he said, look, don't be upset with you yourself or what you did. It was God who sent me here ahead of you. It was God who sent me here ahead of you. So that means that Joseph was saying, look, in order for me to be here, I had to go through some things back there. In order for God to bring me to a place of prominence and strength here today, I had to go through some things back there that all set me up to be in this place of strength where I am here today. I want to know, am I talking to anybody here today who's ever gone th through anything? Anybody ever gone through anything? Excuse me while I help myself to tissue. Anybody gone through anything? Anybody glad you didn't stop in the middle of what you went through? I often heard somebody say, once say, hey, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Right? So Joseph is letting his brothers know, look, it, you did what you did, but listen, this is what God did in the whole process of what you thought you were doing to me because you didn't like me, you hated me, but God saw your evil and turned it into my good, and he's actually going to turn it into your good because now I'm here for you, and you didn't think all those years ago that it was even possible for little old Joseph to have a big dream that God gave him to put me in a place of prominence, and you stand before me, and here I am for you, and you thought you got rid of me, but here I am, but God... What you go through, don't let it stop you. Because what you go through, there is someone else who will need the strength you will gain from what you go through. Just imagine the people you will not be able to be there for if you stop. If you allow the enemy to cause you to stop. Sure, we all could have many reasons, many big reasons, many good reasons to stop in our faith, to stop 
believing God again, to stop hoping in God again, to stop progressing in whatever the Lord had dropped in our hearts years ago to pursue because of obstacle, because of defeat, because of turmoil, because people don't like us, because situations didn't go our way, because life isn't fair, and there is a devil, and he hates people. And he does not want to see any person ever fulfill their purpose with God because it ultimately glorifies the Lord. And he doesn't want to see that happen. But here's why I want to tell you that God wants to use your life in that way because God doesn't ordain purpose without process. And it's process that actually God uses to make us stronger. To make us stronger. What did Joseph go through? Joseph went through quite a lot over from the time he had the dream. Thirteen years, Joseph suffered. Joseph was put in a, he was put in a pit. And all of these things that Joseph went through, we can draw parallels from. We can draw some similarities from spiritually and some figurative things. But Joseph was put into a pit. You know, we might go and find ourselves in pits sometimes. But God is always able to pull us out of pits. Sometimes we put ourselves in a pit because we dislike wallowing in our misery. And then we want somebody else to join us because misery loves company. Right? And we all can find ourselves in in seasons and setbacks of of life pits. Spiritual pits. we, we, We get down. We get overcome. We get overwhelmed with the worries and the cares of this life. Our, our bills become much. When you get sick, uh, doctor bills go high if you don't have great insurance. Uh, job situations don't always turn out that great. Uh, people we love die. Things happen that don't make a whole lot of sense. And we can find our life living there. And when we find our life in pit, it doesn't mean we don't, it, that we're not, it's not acceptable to, in, to, uh, to have a pit moment or a pit life or, or a pit part of a season. It happens to every single one of us. We're just not meant to live there. You are not meant to live in your pit. Just like Joseph was not meant to live in his. The pit was not the destination for Joseph. It was part of the process that God was using to shape him and to make him stronger for what the Lord had actually called him to do. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I get overwhelmed and, and, and um, real, real highly concerned about the cares and worries of life, I, I tend to emotionally withdraw. I tend to emotionally withdraw. I tend to remove myself emotionally. I might be present in body, but I am disengaged in any kind of contextual relationship. And every time I find myself there, the more I want to stay there, the worse I get. The more irritated I become. The more frustrated I become. And my wife might ask me, others might ask me, what's going on? Did we do something? And all I can do is be like, you know, no, it's fine, I'm good. Because I, I try to internalize it, try to analyze it, try to process it on my own and think my way through it 
because I'm thinking if I can do that, I'm going to be okay. But really, the only time I get okay is when I stop and I retreat to my closet and I take a moment and pray and I tell the Lord all about how I feel and I tell him I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to be withdrawn. I know that's not right. I don't want to be irritated and irritable to other people because I know that's not fair. So, Lord, help me. I want to give you my frustration. I want to give you my worry. I want to give you this pit moment that I'm in right now. And I leave that place with peace. See, when I try to process it, I contain the pain. But when I release it, I receive peace. Friends, we all go through pits, but we aren't supposed to live there. Joseph also was purchased as a slave. He was purchased as a slave. It was out of his control. He did not want this. This is kind of the the part of life where we just kind of go through the motions because we have to. We have to show up for work because we want a job and we don't want to be fired. We just have to show up even though we don't want to show up. We have to go to school because, yeah, you got to go to school or you'll be truant and you won't have a, you'll be like suspended and stuff and that won't be good. There are things that, and we have, we are, there are emotions we just have to go through because we have to go through them because it's a part of life. We can't just completely check out of these things. And we go through these things like Joseph just because we have to and we kind of can get numb and we can kind of get calloused. And spiritually, we, can, we just, we just kind of do what we, we know to do, but we don't really find any real significance or real life-flowing moments happening there. It's just, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be at church, but I, I'm probably not going to feel nothing today. I'll go, but man, you know, if I, I'm probably not going to talk to a whole lot of people today. I just don't want nobody talking to me today. I'm just going to kind of go and sit in my chair and, and, um, and hope everybody else figures out that I got real big problems and hope they'll help me meet those needs or whatever it might be. And we just kind of go through these motions and our relationship with God is just kind of that. It's just kind of mully grubbing around, kind of hands in the pocket, twiddling the thumbs, just trying to kick the can down the road and, you know, and just, just, just kind of going through it. And there's not really a whole lot of life flowing from heaven to our hearts. I got to be honest with you, there was probably, it was probably the almost, it was real almost this whole year uh, that I, 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 come to church and be in church and be in prayer and um, probably three out of four weeks I would not feel anything spiritually from the Lord. I would not feel his presence. I would not feel like, you know, like getting excited. I would not feel like, you know, being passionate. I would pray, but I felt like my prayers were hitting a ceiling and coming right back down just boom 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 ricocheting all over the place except getting to where they needed to go up until about four weeks ago i felt like i was kind of living that 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 spiritual slave portion of just having to do what i gotta do people would ask me to pray for them i have to pray for them because i'm their i'm your pastor and i have to do that and I know we're church, you're not supposed to get real with anybody, right? I know at church, you're just supposed to be fake and pretend, right? You're supposed to put on a smile and act like everything's okay. Isn't that what we're supposed to do in church? With a, yeah. 
I wish I could be that kind of preacher and tell you my life is super good and there ain't a problem in the world, but you probably don't want a pastor like that. You probably would want a pastor that goes through stuff like you go through. We may not all go through the same shared experiences, but we do all go through things together. And it was about four weeks ago I finally felt the presence of God in a way that I hadn't felt in a very long time. It was during, ironically, during the Revelation series that I had been preaching. That's kind of, that was uh, somewhat of a heavy series to have to bring and preach, but it was one the Lord, I knew he wanted me to preach, and I didn't really want to, but I had to do it when he tells you to do it. You just got to do it. And then I just, it just suddenly, I started feeling kind of a flow of, it's kind of like a, a river that had been dammed, and it was starting to break loose. And, and so his presence started freeing me, and his presence started, started agitating me. His presence started, started messing with me and started reminding me, most importantly, that I am loved by him no matter what. And when you, when you have moments like that and you get glimpses of revelation like that and even reminders like that, it frees your heart. It frees your heart to be lighter. It frees your spirit. It frees your soul. It, it, it really clears your outlook and your, and your focus. You tend to not see all the negative things that you tend to see because you're, you're so cluttered and so full of stuff, but his presence has a way of washing away some things. And I'm praying that if you feel that way, that God would change the situation. Joseph was also, he was perceived as dead. His, fam, his, his dad thought he had died. And this is the part of life where, where we can kind of feel unnoticed and insignificant. Even at home, in a church, on the job, you can feel kind of unnoticed and, and insignificant because of whatever things are going on. And it makes you feel a certain a certain way makes you think a, a certain way and it's kind of like um when that happens we don't really especially when it comes to church we, we we tend to think well i'm not that important anyway so i probably don't even need to show up i probably don't even need to really be there that often i'm not going to be that missed and we can start to buy into that lie that, that we, we are insignificant and because no one sees us. Nobody rushes to shake my hand. And we can kind of buy into that and we can start to live a, a, a life where our spirits start to slowly, the flame of the, of the love of God and the hope of God and the faith of God in us starts to, starts to go down and starts to go down and, and starts to go down and it starts to, starts to go down. But we all, may, we all go through those kinds of seasons where we feel spiritually kind of, ah, uh, blah, just kind of dead, just kind of, ugh, I don't really. But the Lord wants to revive our hearts 
the Lord wants to renew our love. The Lord wants to renew. There is, there is, this, there is this tangible thing that God gives. It's called, that's it, fervor and that is passion, that is desire, that, it, that, is a, that is an expectation we can have of God that is more than just attending church on Sunday and occupying a seat. There is so much more life that the Holy Spirit wants to breathe into us that, that we have to begin to, we have to make ourselves go through the process even when we don't want to go through the process because God knows he's alpha and omega he sees the first he sees the beginning and the end he's able to comprehend it all even though we are not but if we will trust him in the process it'll lead to a greater life spiritually than we ever thought was possible but too many of us fall prey to the average thing that the world falls prey to we don't linger. We don't hang in there. Therefore, we don't always get stronger like the Lord wants to make us. Joseph was put in prison. Falsely accused and put in prison and served there and under Pharaoh's, Potiphar's reign. And This is kind of where we can, we can all feel shackled. Some of us can feel shackled to our past. It's amazing that how, how many of us can still feel shackled to who we used to be, to maybe what we used to do, to how we used to act, to the things we used to be like. It's amazing how many of us can feel shackled to that, that, that we feel that that's like our, our old self and we haven't really, really lived who our new self is. And God is, God is the liberator, God is the deliverer, God is the great redeemer and makes us different when he enters our life and when he truly saves us and when he truly fills us with his spirit. God does transform us that, that we do not have to be shackled to our past. That, that under Christ and in Christ, it's called being under the blood of the Lamb. And He forgives as far as the east is from the west. Our transgressions have been removed from us. So who you used to be in Christ now is not who you are. This is also where we can feel chained to our shame and our regret. Ridiculed, I mean, just riveted by shame, riveted by regret. The shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get locked up in that thinking, man, if I could have just gone back, I should have done it this way, if I could have done it that way, right? But we can't do that. We can't go back. That's why God is the God of redemption. He redeems our time. He redeems it. He puts us where we need to be, not where we think we ought to be or where our transgression says we should be. We can also find ourselves being bound to things that happened to us, things that were out of our control, decisions we didn't make, situations and scenarios and life happening to us that was not, great, was not good. And what can happen when we live as a prisoner? It makes us paralyzed to our present makes us paralyzed in our very present state. And here's what that, what that means. It means we don't grow spiritually and we don't progress in our faith because we have unresolved issues in our heart because we don't really let God deal with us. 
If you have unresolved issues in your heart, meaning you're never allowing the Lord to work on you continuously at things, then we will not grow. We won't advance spiritually. We won't grow in our faith. And we won't ultimately really be on target with the purpose God has for our life. Because we refuse to let God deal with our heart. It's amazing how many people I have encountered, how many Christians I have encountered that we just refuse to let God deal with our heart. We just won't let him do it. We, we hold on. We, we keep grudges. We, we, we live offended. We, we, we grow bitter. We'd rather be bitter than get better. And we have all this stuff that we keep just kind of festered up and holding on to. We have all these, these memories of the way people have wronged us, the way so-and-so talked to us, the way we were treated. And all these things, man, we pile up in our life and we just won't let God deal with it. And we live as a prisoner. And we're not called to live in the prison. Jesus has come to set us free. That we should not be a prisoner in our mind. We should not be a prisoner in our thinking. We should not be a prisoner. We are called to be free. And so we can, we can live like that. We can live in the pit, we can live as a slave, we can live as spiritually dead, we can live as a prisoner and not advancing in the Lord. We can live like that or, listen up, listen up, or we can live like this. We can live like, you know what? In this season where I'm at, where I don't feel God, where I don't feel um, like doing a whole lot, where I, where I don't feel important, where I don't feel like doing that much, where I don't feel like showing up for church, where I don't feel like praying, where I don't feel like reading my Bible, where I don't feel like tithing, where I don't feel like really serving anybody else. I just, I just don't feel like being out there for anybody else. I don't feel like doing nothing that I don't want to do. Or... Or we can say, no matter how I feel, no matter how I feel, I'm going to make myself push forward. I'm going to make myself move forward. I'm going to put myself out there and open my heart up to God, and I'm going to trust that God knows what to do with this wretched soul of mine, and I know what he's going to do with this messed up life of mine. I know what he's going to do. I, 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 I trust that he knows what he's going to do with this situation of mine. I trust that God will deal with that, and in the process of dealing with that, he's really going to deal with me, and he's going to change my heart and make it softer. He's going to change my mind and make it clear. He's going to change me and make me love more and hate less, make me forgive more and hold grudges less. He's going to do a work in me that I didn't think he could do. He's going to warm the inside of my soul where it once was dark and growing cold, and he's going to make me fall in love with him again, just like he did way back then. He's going to do something in me if I will just give my heart to him and give my life to him, even though I don't feel like it. Believe you me, there are days I don't freaking feel like it. 
And I prayed, Lord, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be honored by you. And I just said, freaking. <laughs> Ixnay on the freak A. And I will, let, I will open up my heart anyways. I will open up my heart anyways. I will open up my heart anyways. I won't live closed. I won't live distant. I won't live withdrawn. I won't live isolated. I won't live all by myself. Cry me a river all on my own. I will open up my heart to God and let him deal with me and have his way in my life because I believe he has something of prominence for me to step into. That though I don't all understand where he's calling me to, I don't all really believe that I can be that kind of Christian. I don't really know how I can be that kind of strong faith person. But if I would just open up my heart to God anyways, I believe he wants to carry me and move my life into a place of strength so that I can actually be the kind of believer on this planet that Christians in this world want and need out of my life. Friends, that is the kind of life we're called to live. That is the kind of faith Jesus calls his, his followers to live. Even when we don't feel like it, we'll do it anyways. And so Joseph, 13 years later, promoted to this place of prominence, to this place of strength. He was 17 when he had a dream, 13 years of going through some things, got him here to where he is now, about the age of 30. And I don't believe he would have really gotten to this place of strength if he would have allowed the pit to bury him or the slave mentality to make him bitter or when he was perceived dead to just get offended and jealous of everybody else going on with their life or if he had allowed the prison to paralyze him. I don't think he would have got there. But he did get there. He did get there. Why did Joseph go through all that he did? And why do we go through all that we do? Anybody ever ask that question? <laughs> if you don't, you're probably not human. Check yourself if you're running on batteries. An answer, one answer, it's not the only answer, but one answer that I give today as we get ready to close out, is that Joseph went through what he went through. We go through what we go through because God wants to make us spiritually stronger for others. There are three reasons I just want to leave you today as to, why, as to uh, why God wants to make us spiritually stronger according to what we can learn from Joseph's life. One, God wants to make us spiritually stronger because 
He wants us to strengthen others in their lack. You may be thinking, man, I got a whole lot of lack going on right now. I get it. But I really don't believe you're supposed to always stay there. I believe God wants to help you grow through it. Help all of us grow through it. I got lack right now. But I don't, I'm not going to live in this place. No way am I going to just lie down and play dead in this place. Heck no. But God wants to strengthen us. God wants to use our life to strengthen others in their lack. Here's what Joseph told his brothers late in the game. In 45 verse 6. He said, this famine has ravaged this land for two years. It's going to last five more. There's going to be neither plowing or harvesting. He said, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Just think if Joseph would not have endured the pit, the slavery, being perceived as dead, being in prison, being forgotten about down there. Just think if he would not have endured the process, he would not be in a place of prominence to strengthen his family and others at this time. Think about your life. If you quit now, if you stop where you are now and you don't endure the process and keep on moving and keep on trucking and keep on believing God and keep on mustering up some prayers and having a little bit of mustard seed faith because that's the all I last checked that we needed was just a mustard seed of faith that when it grows, you can speak to mountains and mountains will be moved. If you just have that, you can endure where you're at. And where you get to, where God takes you, he will use you to strengthen other people who lack. There were people who don't have in this community, some in our church. But as the church, we are called to help provide to meet needs. Another reason God wants to make us spiritually stronger is to strengthen others in their struggle Joseph told his brothers in 45.8 he said so he said so it was God who sent me here not you he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt Joseph held the second highest position in all of the land and he told his brothers you didn't send me here you know what I've learned through the last 13 15 years of going through something God actually sent me here because it was God who gave me that dream a long time ago that he was going to make me strong not for my sake but for your sake we think we got to be strong for us and sometimes we want to be strong for others. And really, that is the truth. God wants us strong so that we can be strong for other people. God wants to use our life to strengthen others in their struggle. There are people in our city, and there are people in our church, who will go through some down and out times. But as the church, we are called to help pull them out. The only time you and I should ever be looking down on somebody 
is when we're extending a hand to help pull them up. How dare us have a religious piety about ourselves to ever think we are more spiritual than somebody else. If we are that spiritual, then we should be down trying to help pull people up. God wants to use your life that way. God wants to use this church that way. And the third reason God wants to make us spiritually stronger is so that we can strengthen others in their faith in God. Joseph told his brothers in 45.9, he said, Listen, hurry back to my father because his father has no idea what's going on. Hurry back, tell him. This is what your son Joseph said. This is what Joseph said. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live here. You'll be near me and your children and your grandchildren. I will take care of you. And you guys won't starve. Joseph was telling, instructing his brothers, go and direct the rest of my family, point them back in the right direction. Church, there are people who are lost in this city, and there are people who will come into this church who will be lost looking for a way. And as the church, we are called, and we can help point people in the right direction towards their Savior. We are not people's Savior. I am not your Savior. We are not one another's Messiah. There is only one, and that His name is Jesus. It's our duty. It's our responsibility. It's our privilege. It's our high calling from God to point people in the direction of Jesus Christ. God wants to make us stronger so that we can strengthen other people in different ways, in different contexts. But it requires an open heart. It requires that we just say yes to whatever the Lord wants to do and however He wants to use our life.